0: Hello everyone. Case number 1. Two new channels in Andhra Pradesh were filed with a case of sedition against them because they aired an interview of a rival YSR Congress MP criticising his own government. Fun fact, YSR Congress is the ruling party in Andhra Pradesh. Case number 2. A sedition case was filed against a filmmaker in Lakshadeep just because she criticised the poor handling of Covid pandemic by the Lakshadeep administrator. These two cases are from different parts of a country, but they have both one thing in common and that is sedition law. So what is this law? Why it so often remains in news? What is the history behind it? When it was formed and what is its purpose? How it is commonly used or misused by the different governments? Pretty confused, right? Don't worry, just listen to this episode till the end and you will get all your answers. Welcome to my podcast Spotlight, I am your host Jayan Singh and today I will be decoding a quite controversial law that is the sedition law. Let's get started. So what is sedition law? It comes under section 124a of IPC that is Indian Penal Code. In simple words, if you say something, if you write something, if you draw something and because of which you are promoting hatred or disaffection against the government established by law, then you are liable to be booked under the sedition act. Punishment for it ranges from 3 years imprisonment plus fine to lifetime imprisonment plus fine. Some main points to notice here are, first point is, sedition will only be applicable if you are promoting disaffection not against the nation but against the government established by law. Second point is, Not only promoting disaffection against the government, but even attempting to promote disaffection comes under this act of sedition. Now let us have a look in the past. How actually this contentious law came into origin? Pre-independence period. The story begins when we were still ruled by the Britishers. During that time, first law commission of India was formed. This commission was assigned with the task to draft the penal code for India and Thomas Macaulay was an eminent member of this committee. Under this draft, he proposed a section which stated that if anyone intends to promote disaffection against the then-government of East India Company, would be punished, which may include lifetime imprisonment with additional fines. This was only a draft and was completed in the year 1837. Now fast forward to two decades in the year 1857. A massive revolt broke out in the northern and central parts of India commonly known as the First War of Indian Independence. This revolt acted as a catalyst for the implementation of Indian Penal Code. But, an interesting point to note here is that the section punishing anyone who promotes disaffection against the government was not made a part of this code when it was implemented in the year 1860. Many reasons were given for this but what most historians agree upon is that not adding this section was just a mistake. And soon, this mistake was rectified 10 years later in the year 1870, when this section was finally added into the Indian Penal Code. The reason given at the time of this addition was the highly nationalistic feelings of Indian citizens. Leaders used to give speeches in public, people used to spread messages to masses so that they can unite against the Britishers and can ensure their eviction from our country. So we can say that, initially, sedition law was used to curb the nationalistic feelings of Indians against the East India Company. And you should not be surprised when I tell you that even famous leaders like Bal Gangadhar Tilak and Mahatma Gandhi were also tried, convicted and jailed in the name of sedition. As they say, the law is equal for all, no matter how brutal and insignificant it may be. Coming to Post-Independence period. Now we will talk about the post-independence period, how this law came into being and how it evolved into its present form. So after independence, while the constitution of a country was being framed, this topic of sedition law was discussed deliberately and in the end, a resolution was passed among the committee members according to which this law was considered highly arbitrary, which not only curbed the right to freedom of speech and expression of the common citizens but also prevented them from presenting dissent against the government established by law. So it was not made a part of the Indian constitution. But then came Article 19, Clause 1, Clause A related to the freedom of speech and expression. In this clause, the constitution stated, say whatever you want to say, express whatever you want to express, but this right to freedom of speech and expression cannot be absolute. So 8 restrictions were specified on an individual's right to freedom of speech and expression. These eight restrictions mentioned in this article put a lid on the right of an individual to absolute freedom of speech and expression. And the main point to note here is that the article 124a or the sedition law was not a part of this constitution. In other words, it was not a ground on which the right to freedom of speech and expression of an individual can be contained or restricted. Okay, so everything sounds good up until here. After all, constitution makers were really some of the best minds of our nation at that time. Kudos to their great job. Now the main question which arises here is that if sedition law was not initially a part of the Indian constitution, then how it is still being used, what led to its misuse in the current domain? To answer these questions, we will have to look at various court judgments that paved a way for its indirect entry into the Indian law system. Although this law was excluded from our newly framed constitution, but still, it was a part of the Indian Penal Code, the same Indian Penal Code which was formed by Lord Macaulay in the year 1837. And after India became a republic, there were various petitions filed in courts questioning the validity of this colonial-era law. Punjab High Court and Allahabad High Court in their respective judgments made it absolutely clear that sedition can't be the basis to curb the freedom of speech and expression of an individual because it doesn't count among the 8 restrictions imposed in Article 19, Clause 1, Clause A of the Indian Constitution. But here is a twist. Then came the landmark judgement in case of Kedarnath Singh vs State of Bihar 1962. This was the first time since independence that the top court of India justified the sedition law and paved a way for its backdoor entry into our Indian law system. There are two major inferences or conclusions from this decision. First one being that Supreme Court finally recognized sedition as a basis of crime and punishment for the Indian citizens. Second one being that while on one hand it recognized sedition but on the other hand it narrowed down its ambit. Earlier during colonial times if you said or did anything against the government established by law then you were liable to be tried under this law. But now what Supreme Court did it clearly stated that say whatever you want to say. Express whatever you want to express but don't incite people to violence. Or, if your speech has the tendency to incite people to violence, then this is sedition and you will be booked for it. Here, violence is the main difference, which means you will not be convicted under this law only by saying or doing anything against the government. But, if any part of your speech or action leads to violence or it has a tendency to incite violence, then you are liable to be booked under this law. So, we can say that, This landmark Supreme Court judgment was the first to legally allow sedition as a criminal law and also laid down the areas or conditions on which an individual can be convicted under this colonial era law. With this, now we come to our next point of discussion, the alleged misuse of this law. It's a public knowledge that this law has time and again been used as well as misused by the various governments in power. Now we will look at one major case wherein this sedition law was allegedly misused. Gadi movement of Jharkhand. The Adivasis of Jharkhand say that they are aware of their rights, which are given to them under schedule 5 of the constitution. But once what happened, they began to fear that the government is trying to snatch their lands, which is in straight violation of the tribal or land rights mentioned in schedule 5 of the Indian constitution. So what they did, they started a movement they took some monolithic stones and started engraving the guarantees that are mentioned in the schedule 5 of the constitution. So what was the result? Simple. The government said this is sedition. 10,000 people in the villages who were part of this movement were booked under sedition. Why? How writing something which is mentioned in the constitution can be a ground for sedition? In what manner their action led to violence or incitement of violence against the government? How it can be justified? No. It can't be. Even the data available at national level clearly shows the gross misuse of this law. According to a data published by NCRB, that is National Crime Records Bureau, the conviction rate in sedition cases was just 3.3% in 2019. The conviction rate here means that only 3.3% of all those people who were booked for sedition were finally convicted or punished, while others were set free. Which basically means that the majority of people who are booked under this law are finally set free, but since they are arrested and they spend time in jail, this whole process itself becomes a punishment for all those people. And it is the main reason behind people saying that this article 124a or sedition law should be scrapped. In the words of writer-lawyer Abhinav Chandrachal, sedition is a self-inflicted wound on us. What he means by this statement is that we ourselves have brought this misery unto ourselves. The word we here refers to the Indian government. Actually, this law was a non-cognizable offence under the British rule, which means that if you are accused of sedition, you will not be immediately arrested. The permission of the judge should be taken, after that investigation will take place, on its basis the warrant can be issued and then only an individual can be arrested. But this all changed in the year 1973 under the rule of Indira Gandhi's government, when sedition was made a non-cognizable offense, which simply means if you are accused of sedition, you will be directly arrested, no permission from any judge is required. Moreover, what makes this law worse is that it is also a non believable offense, that is, if you are arrested under this law, then you are not eligible to apply for a bail. These two terms make this law more draconian as well as leads to its high misuse by those in power. And the irony here is that such gross misuse of this law was also never seen during British rule in India. So it will be absolutely appropriate to say that it is a self-inflicted wound on us. Till now we have only talked in terms of our own country, covering local issues. So what about other countries of the world? Do they also have the contentious sedition law? Do they also misuse it like it's done in our country? Let's find out. Big countries like Australia, New Zealand and United States, they all have junked this draconian law and even the colonial masters Britain removed in the year ni- 2009. Even the Law Commission of India in its consultation report published in the year 2018 very clearly stated that sedition should be either repealed or we should have a rethink consideration on this law. Because, as the Supreme Court in one of her judgments very famously said, dissent is the safety valve of democracy along with criticism it carries a great importance in ensuring that our government relies on democratic values and should not invariably turn into an autocratic regime so opinion is still largely divided on this whether this law should be continued or not i hope i have given you a thorough perspective about this law now it's completely upon your personal fit to decide what should be done with this law in coming future Now I would like to uh, end this episode with a famous quote from a French historian and writer, Voltaire, I disagree with what you say, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend till death your right to say it. With this, we have come to the end of one more interesting episode of this podcast. Thanks for lending your precious time. Stay tuned to this podcast for more such in-depth analysis of the current happenings. With this, I, Jayan Singh, sign off. Stay safe, stay healthy. Goodbye.